Okay, so something to, to think about. Do you think if I had, or if you had, right, Zach specifically, yes, if you had Neil Young's voice, okay, do you think that you would think that you could be right? Keep going. Do you think that you would think that you could be a, a singer, like a professional, and be like, does Neil Young in this universe exist? No, like I, like you, <laughs> there is no Neil Young. Okay. There, or like, that's an example. Neil Young, Stevie Nicks, somebody with a really strange voice. Now, I don't think I could make it in today's music world. I think yeah, if I would was... would you think that you had your own? Like, would you think, oh, I'm a good singer when you're like, oh man, look at my life. No. Because <laughs> when I, I sit down and I, and I hear Neil Young, which happens a lot, I'm thinking like, it's weird to me that he, I feel like, you know, his voice is so odd, but obviously there's a lot of people that like it, but it's, it's, and I know that there was a, some sort of story of how he got started, but how would you ever have that voice and think like, oh yeah. Well, I can I, break into showbiz. Right. I think, at, look, for the people like Neil Young and stuff like that back then, um, when he was popular, 1860s, 1860s to be exact, it was less, I guess, about the voice and more about the songs soul and the soul that you had in it because whatever you hear like and like the songs back then didn't all sound the same like i feel like a lot of songs do yeah. nowadays like neil young sounds like neil young so people would be like oh i can go pinpoint who this is i like the song even if his voice wasn't that great mm-hmm. or weird even like axel rose has a weird voice right but everybody likes axel rose mick jagger mick jagger so yeah. how do you explain bob dylan <laughs> I don't. I get it. <laughs> and I think back then it was it was more important to have a voice that made you stand out because nowadays I can't yeah. tell a lot of the singers apart. Yeah, who all do very monotone hushed tones. But back then, your voice needed to stand out. And even though some of it might sound ridiculous to us today, if it was you know out of context, and even even like back then they didn't have like voice correction and stuff like that. So even if you had a weird voice, that didn't mean that you were a bad singer. Like you could still hit all the notes, like Tiny Tim. Tiny Tim. He's classified as the greatest singer of all time. Right. Number two, Freddie Mercury. <laughs> Number three, Neil Young. Number four, Bob Dylan. Number five, you. <laughs> Number six, Grandad. Number seven, Horton Yuzu. <laughs> yeah, they did that cover. Of, okay. You can't start this feeling anymore. <laughs> this was a trick. This was a trap. This is actually an episode of Hot Tub Alpha Reviews. Yes! <laughs> Settle down in. Ah. Ah. No! What are you drinking today, Josh? I am drinking uh, cold water. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'm drinking, uh, it's called moose juice. <laughs> <laughs> got him! I got choked up. Uh, actually, this is... Why the, am I here? Don't drink the tea, the Agatha Christie podcast where we analyze her books one by one, and I'm Josh. You sound really sad about it now. Well, like, you don't even want to be here. Well, now, I, was, I was building up to something. To be honest... We were thinking about starting another podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, Hot Tub Album Reviews isn't really cutting it, it anymore. It, it, it was world-renowned at the time, but it's been a few years. You have to keep innovating, keep changing in order to You better to introduce stay yourself growing. first, because people don't fresh. know who you two are. I'm Zach, obviously. I'm Charlotte. Obviously. But in this world where Charlotte doesn't exist in the next podcast. Where she's, <laughs> she's died in a terrible tab accent. Tab? Cab. Yeah, tab the Taxi. soda. She tried to open a tab, but she realized that they hadn't made tabs since 1998, 
<laughs> and she got food poisoning from it. Um, <clears throat> that actually almost happened once. Really? Well, the vault. Yeah, remember, remember that vault? Yep. We almost drank it. But it was in, if it was in a can, I might have considered it, but mm-hmm. it was in plastic bottles. Yeah. Sometimes, though, I, I do kind of regret that we didn't. Yeah. When saying that <laughs> almost happened when you didn't even drink it. No, it was it was serious thought. Yeah. It was, it was like the hand was there reaching out for it. There were cases of vault. Like, vault the old soda energy drink style thing. Yeah. And we almost drank it. It was cases left in the grocery store that were closed for like a long time. <laughs> Fifteen we years. Broke into. Anyway, oh, the vault was so good though. It was, but I miss it. That's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about <laughs> our, our new, new podcast. podcast. You have to keep changing, innovating. Hot Tub album reviews, innovative at the time, and will always be a classic. Right, but just how the Beatles changed from being classic '60s pop to like. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah, you, I mean, Hard Day's Night, yeah, but eventually you got a Sgt. Pepper. Why, yeah. are, why are both of you addressing these words to me like I, I, I We're addressing care? the people. Uh, why, then why are you looking at me? You represent the people because you're <laughs> mediocre at best. Oh, you know, oh. Okay. You know, I have actually started my trip of listening to all the Beatles albums in order. Have you? I have. I started doing that. Certainly really? of you. Oh. How far are you? I'm third album. No. I'm third album. No way! And they don't are not very good. No, they? they're not yet. No. Why did you start doing it? Uh, I have Can watched... I leave? No. Sit down. <laughs> I just watched uh, yesterday. Oh, uh, the where the, they the Beatles don't exist. Yeah, and a lot of other things don't exist in the world apparently too. Oh, okay. Coke but wasn't it? Coke doesn't exist. Cigarettes don't exist. Does hot tub album reviews exist? Hot tub album <laughs> reviews is, is the focal <laughs> point of that universe. Okay. Um, it was a very good movie. That's weird that, that we both started the same time without ever talking about yeah, it. Yeah. We should podcast about it. I was thinking that. We should Hot Tub Beatles songs review. Well, that's speaking, your title? Speaking of, stinking, speaking of our, <laughs> of our new podcast, we have been thinking about coming out with a new innovative one. It's not Hot Tub Albums, right? Mm. Because that's been done. It's unique. It's new. It's Hot Dog Albums. And uh, for the listeners at home, that just showed me his socks. They have hot dogs. <laughs> hot dog album reviews is similar to hot tub album reviews. It has the same premise. We are in a hot tub, but what is added is that we are eating a <laughs> hot dog as well. With new and exciting toppings every time. And I guess we'll be reviewing the Beatles albums. Yes. Well, we should get that started. In, in my mind, I instantly picture that Guy Fieri is there as well. <laughs> If we can get him to come, I'll, I'll, yeah, the, I'll happily podcast about the Beatles. I'm them. surprised at how long it took the Beatles to get rolling. But we'll talk about that on Hot Dog Al- Beatles well, Albums Reviews. We have, like, is it like eight or ten albums? I don't know. It's a lot of albums. Because I'm on the You're going to get really confused, though, and end up with, like, Hot Beatles Dog Tub Reviews. No, we're like, pretty smart. The thing is, as I was so surprised that the Beatles... Released so many albums in eight years. They have 108 original songs in eight years. That's insane. It was two albums. To be albums. fair, a lot of the early ones are pretty short and, and very mediocre. Yeah. But, I mean, to that point, they released two albums in their first year. Okay. In 1963. We'll talk about this in the album. And the, we'll talk uh, about the that in our other podcast. Yes. Yeah. It must be... Raise a glass of water every time. Is it hard, is it hard to handle handle how the quick wit and in-your-face attitude of Josh and Zach now that there isn't a screen between us to keep you safe? The banter is razor sharp. Oh, it's back. I just cut my arm off 
with Zach's sharp replies. Swing! <laughs> that was my sharp replies being unsheathed from its scabbard. That was some <laughs> well worded, <laughs> well worded response. <laughs> he's always come. He's always coming back with those scabbard <laughs> remarks. <laughs> okay. Um, oh boy. Well, we talked about a lot of stuff, but today is really super de duper, pooper scooper exciting Woo! for a bunch of reasons. So many reasons. Charlotte, why don't you talk about one of them? Just pick out of a hat. Throw a dart at the wall. Why today is so exciting? Uh, we had breakfast for lunch. That I think is, oh, that's a big one. We have kid snacks again. Yep. Skittles. Where are they? Where? Where? Skittles. Here Muffins. Where did the Skittles go? The actually? Skittles will make an appearance later in the episode. Okay. For a game? Maybe. Like if I get it right, then I get a Skittle? I'm not saying, but we have a very. Positive that's another thing. We have a very exciting game coming later today. Oh boy. As devised by the deranged Dr. Math. What? I love the sky. <laughs> now, Josh, I am uh, putting together a new one of those tabletop games for you guys. <gasps> Let's not even talk about the episode but, today. But I would really love it if you would play the deranged Dr. Math in that. I'll consider it. That would be awesome. We'll see how, we'll see how his appearance plays with people today. I got invited to another uh, RPG thing. Oh, yeah. I haven't I haven't got to do it yet, but in, in my mind, all I could think about is there's no way mm-hmm. it could be better than the one Zach did. Well, mine and was really loosey-goosey before, be but I am I am going to be instituting the most loosey-goosey rule set that I found <laughs> online. Nice. Which is just literally anything that you can put on your character. Uh-huh. Like, you can specify anything you want on your character, and you can do those things. I feel like... We we touched on that before. I mean, with well, Ben he just, he just wants to make it like, more legal for, for me example, to kill you. For example, oh, okay. in, a, in a game that I was listening to with this rule set to kind of understand, on their character sheet they have what are called cliches, like movie okay. cliches instead of like you know powers, abilities, all that stuff. Oh. And in their cliches, one of them was um, what's his name, Sylvester Stallone. Mm. Uh-huh. So anything that Sylvester Stallone did in a movie, they could do. Hmm. That, so he could be a really fantastic. good boxer or an arm wrestler. You know, he could be Rambo. All those kind of he things. Pretty he much would have those, those hanging stuff. from a helicopter. Yeah. With so it was it was all years. those kind of things that you would be able to have like oh, good wow. skills at. That so it's it's that kind fun. of a thing where you can just be like, I'm a scuba diver doctor with a fire sword, <laughs> and you can be the deranged doctor. Deranged doctor Math. That was off. The dome. The dome. <laughs> yes. Back to the matter at hand. What so else? So impressive. Back in the band. Why don't we get back to the episode? What else is exciting about today? I'll lead you in. I said my thing. We today is a very special day because we are on our fiftieth. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do that again? <laughs> we are on our. <laughs> Let me get this one for you, Josh. <laughs> the 5 0. 50th. 50th episode. I'm sorry that I win. Set is quiet. I <laughs> and your other announcement is that you have tuberculosis. I'm we just, both have tuberculosis. I'm getting over, I'm getting over cold. <laughs> it was a perfect time to be in. I think I actually gave you the cold. Because I, <laughs> oh, okay. I was getting the cold the day that you and Tabby came over. Oh, we're, we're done it, though. We're done it, we're though. We're done the cold. We won't give you one. <laughs> oh, great. 
I, I don't care. She wants COVID. It's not COVID. <laughs> uh, it's our 50th episode, which is very exciting. Of course, we got there with some little bonus episodes You're and stuff. So excited you coughed up blood. <laughs> Excuse me. But also, like in the book. <laughs> we've been talking about it since the beginning. We are doing such a huge and special book near and dear to our hearts. Today we Even are Zach? doing Green Eggs and Ham. Well, near and, well, that one is near and dear to your hearts. And you could discuss that. But me and Charlotte will be discussing And Then There Were None by Agatha Christie. Boom. So, so exciting. And for the 50th, man, it was almost like it we just planned it. And perfectly. I almost wish that we did, but we didn't. And that's somehow better. We never would have gotten there without Kevin... Kevin can't wait. Zach can't wait for Kevin to wait. Or it's Danny true. Kevin can wait. Yeah. <laughs> so, for a little context, this book, you probably don't even need context. This is the book that even people who don't know Agatha Christie usually know this book. Yeah. It is still in the top 20 best-selling books of all time. Mm-hmm. Last time I checked, it was like number 16. What's somewhere number in the, one? Somewhere in the teens. The Bible. Okay, what's number two? I'm not sure. The Bible, too. Uh, when I checked the, the, the like the first like fiction thing, not oh, no, that's just the most was, was one sorry. of the Harry Potter books was like the best, ah. like one of the last ones. But this one, this book has gone down the list. It was number six. It's decreased, but sixteen in the world. It and it's it's, still it's considered very high. like the number one, yeah, best mystery novel of all time. Yeah, and still pretty. The Even early the Marcus's adventure. Well, released, published oh, to the public. I got you. Yeah, they can't. They can't count on release work, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> the people just don't know. The people demand it. But <laughs> it, it's pretty early in, in Christie's career. Still, I mean, we're still in the early half. We're getting right into the forties. This book is what nineteen forty thirty nine. I think. I think you're right. I have my list open. My my high tech list. You know. Yeah, you're right. Nineteen thirty nine. Because the forties are considered Christie's best decade and I kind of agree it's her darkest her most mature her most like thematic and I think and then there were none is the big start of that Mm -hmm. because this book changes everything it does not just for Christie but like media in general is so inspired by just this idea and we'll Mm -hmm. we'll discuss that a lot more but this book is so huge It, it really is I thought Maybe because I, I read it again. I think this is probably the fourth or fifth time that I read it. Yeah. But I wanted to read it again and see if I felt the same about it. And I'm like, Me I too. want to nitpick this. I want to find something to be like, yeah, well, but I'm like, nope. It it really is that epic. <laughs> Every time I read it, it's the same. I think okay, like this year, for instance, I've read more books than I ever have. Me too. More variety of books too. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, if I revisit this, maybe I won't feel the same. And probably like more so. You, like you, you've matured, or well, not in your case, but like <laughs> your your tastes have changed, and you'll look right. at it through a different lens. But, but no. yeah, it's one of those things that kids like because a lot of people have read it as a kid, and it's like that. It's kind of edgy for a kid, and it's exciting. Yeah, and then you revisit it as a teenager or as an adult, and look at it from more of an artistic lens, a more critical lens, and you can even you can see even more to love. Mm-hmm. It's not like oh, I went back and watched iCarly and suddenly Gibby's not as cool as I thought he was. He was cooler. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, there are a huge amount of adaptations to this. Right. And I know we'll talk about later, but Zach, have you watched any? I have. 
Okay. I watched a movie with Zach to prepare for this. Oh, yes. good. Which one? Uh, That's a secret. He'll tell you soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this movie has been made into... I had made it a goal, and I hope I didn't say it on the podcast, to watch every movie version of this. And I've seen a lot of them. But whenever I... don't I, remember hearing you say that. I but... think I said it in my brain, I'm like, it'd be a little surprise. And I'm glad I kept it in my head because it's impossible. <laughs> so many yeah. foreign language movies, too. And so many yep. movies that are that in their credits say based on and then there were none, uh-huh. but are you know they're like modern. Right. It's almost war like movies. saying that you were going to watch one one clip of every actor who's played Sherlock Holmes. Like it right. can't be done. But um, it, it's like Frankenstein, yeah. <laughs> Cinderella. So many movies they have that as their root. Mm-hmm. But because this or, is the original slasher movie. Yeah. This is the foundation yeah. that all of that has come from. That was that was something funny that was on the Agatha Christie's official website because it, it's got a it's got two full web pages I think just about this book, um, and one of them is ten things you didn't know about uh-huh. it. Which I really, did you look at that? Yeah, I really like that. Um, anyway, but it says on there it's like this has become a trope, but she did it first. Like, it's like right. the sentence is like directly after it. It's like, but this was the very first time this was done, and that's true. Exactly. There is a book, there is a movie and a book that came out around the same time that uh, people have said that Christie kind of lifted. Um, one was Sherlock Holmes' Study in Scarlet that they said was similar to it with some of the nursery rhymes. Not the book, but the movie version. And okay. another another was a movie like called The Eighth Guest, where eight people were invited into this house and they're picked off one by one. And it's similar but, but I don't think never that, that to influenced this, her. I, but even if it did, never to this extent. She create even if she got like oh all these people, uh, getting together and this happened. That just that little thread. She did it so uniquely and so uh, inspiring because this is a formula that works great for her. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. so memorable. It's a formula that you could do. You could take it and do anything with it, and you'll probably make. It might be really bad, but it's a formula that you know you can rest on. Right. And it, one of the things that I thought was really neat about the reason that she wrote it was because it was so different from what she had done. Even though she has done things that (coughs) we've talked about before were probably the first or if not the first, absolutely the best incarnation of, of certain things that have become accepted tropes or accepted methods. Right. But... I completely forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> I have okay. not had enough coffee today. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah, that she challenged so herself. She'd already done so many things that were so different and unique. Mm-hmm. But she did this particularly because it was a challenge to her. Mm-hmm. She was like, this is so hard. I want to see if I can do this. Yeah. And they, they talked about how many rewrites it went through and how right. she refined it to get it the way that she wanted it. And I think that makes it even more special. You because can tell. Yeah, it wasn't like, because, you know, Ackroyd and um, Orient Express just are like the, the big ones that people recognize. They, they weren't they weren't slapdash at all. She gave that a lot of thought. But this was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a writer now. <laughs> yeah. you, it, like, like you said, different than anything she ever wrote. That really struck me, having read them in chronological order now. Mm-hmm. Of all of her work, you know, she has a formula with her cozy books. Yeah. There aren't a whole lot of books that are super different. Like, mm-hmm. I think Death Comes as the End is one of them because it's set in ancient Egypt. Endless it's very Night. different. Endless Night. The romance later. books, yeah. obviously. But this book is so completely different from anything she ever wrote. 
in her whole career. But it's still her. It's it's right. still fundamentally her. And like it 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 is so crazy that <laughs> and 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 I was shocked at how early it was in her career too. Me I too. know where it's not that yeah. early. Like it wasn't like one of her first. Well, well, yeah. I mean, exactly. Given given the context, I mean. Oh man, I'm sorry. It, it, I'm I'm really glad that we could spend this time together before you both died. It, I'll I'll cherish these moments. When, what's the last time tuberculosis kills? What's the last time we died? <laughs> Come on. Um, just a little funny. <laughs> Zach, do you know like the basic, just like the the little pitch of it? I gotcha. Yeah. Ten people show up at an island unexpectedly. <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> they all get there on a boat, right? They all show up on a boat, and generally, how you get to an island? Yes, you could, get could there by be a helicopter. Plane. Yep, could be. You could have swam. Could have be teleport. They did it in Men and Tights. He swam all the way all from way England. Africa to England, right? Yep. And Men and Tights is loosely based on it. That's <laughs> true. Um, they show up because uh, they were all invited to this island as like a resort, like a party, like a big, yeah. like a like a party, and they're like a all weekend. they're all like raring to go for this party. Yeah, like come on, man. <laughs> um, they heard Skrillex is going to be there. That's for all of our dubstep fans. Um, so this is basically like Firefest, ex- 1939. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so they all go there, and they're all like looking around, like this is a weird, creepy island. And then they all start dropping like flies after reading some funky poem. <laughs> and then that's all I have to say about. That's perfect. That's the setup. Uh, it's it's a, a rhyme that it has. Ten people, um, Indians or soldiers, depending on which version that you read now. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that happens to them that narrows them down. So uh, ten little Indians, one choked himself, then there were nine. And, and goes down the list. This is on everybody's room. And they also have ten Indian or soldier figures uh, in the middle of the table. Yes. And like the, the real start of the book... Is they're all at dinner. They're all being weird. Like, where's our host? They were all invited yeah. by a Mr. They Owen. were all invited for different reasons as well. And that's eight people that came. Two people that were already there. A a butler and husband and wife. Yeah, who yeah. like like caretakers. Them. Yeah, yeah, but they but they don't even know the host. And the original setting, like Zach said, was an island off the coast of Devon, England. Right. Um, because again, the formula was adopted to apply to many many different things. But. Right. Exactly. Original. Um, yeah, it it's was been definitely. it's been like you know a ski resort. It's been Vietnam, like in the middle of the war. Oh yeah, it's, it, it's been also been a hotel safari. in the desert. It's yeah. been a camping in the desert. That's what Hotel California was actually based on. <laughs> Loosely, yeah. yeah. Right. Sweet Life of Zach and Cody as well. Yeah. And so <laughs> the Sweet re- Life on Deck a little less, but also. Well, yeah, they run. Yeah. The real turning event of the book is when they're all at dinner. A record starts playing with a voice that one by one like accuses each person there of murder. Of murder, yes. Right. And so after that, uh, they're all like, What what's going on? They're laughing it off. Not really, not laughing it off. One character's laughing it off, drinks his drink, keels over dead. Mm-hmm. That's the start of all the mayhem. Yep. And then as uh, Sean Spencer would say, one by one by one by one by one by one. Yeah. They all start to die. <laughs> and Gus would be like, what? <laughs> right. Yes, he would. Psych, loosely based on them, and there were none. Yes. <laughs> That's um, actually 
very close. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what do we want to talk about first? Because there's so much to it, unpack. It's overwhelming. I don't even know. You think you want to talk about... First thing I want to ask is, are we have to... Does everybody know? Because Does everybody know the ending? Like, should we call I think spoilers? we should call should spoilers. Should we say, read the book? I want to say that if you want to read this book, stop and read it. I had this book spoiled for me before I actually got to read it the first time. Oh, no. Was that my fault? But you didn't know I was going to get into Agatha Did Christie. I do that? You didn't know. Oh, I'm so sorry, you though. You didn't know. At one point, but I'm... but Shame. But let me go on. I, I was shame really, on your face. <laughs> I was really hoping that he'd be like, no, 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 it was someone else. And even probably, if it was me. But and probably most people would forget. But for some reason, I had this memory burn in my head. But when I read this book... I'm really sorry. It's fine. <laughs> let me say it. When I read this book, the book is so well done that while I was reading it, I said I know the ending already. But uh-huh. the book actually tricked me into thinking I didn't. Because I oh. said, oh, this must be like the American edition and it has a different ending. Because I heard there were two <laughs> different endings. The book actually convinced me that I was okay. wrong. And then okay. I got the ending and I was still surprised. But I always wondered, like, what would it be like if I had, had not known it all? But uh-huh. the fact that I enjoy it so much, a book that got spoiled for me before I had even started, is a testament to how amazing of a mystery book it is. Right, right. What, what was the first Christie you ever read? First Christie was Roger Ackley. Oh, okay. And then, and then there were none. Was actually that. like, there was quite a few more before that. It was like, why did Roger I tell Ackroyd, you about it? You, this was before you were talking to someone else. You were talking. <laughs> you were just talk about some of the characters they had read it, and you just okay. offhand. If we're calling spoilers, I'll just say you offhand was like, and the judge is the killer. Oh. And so you didn't even have to say a name because I wouldn't have remembered the name. But the, okay. just saying the judge is the mm-hmm. killer. It was burned okay. in my head. Oh, the judge is the murderer. Yeah. And, you yeah. know, he is a huge figure in the book as the mm-hmm. judge. That's who he mm-hmm. is. Yeah. Loosely based on that last episode of Monk. Exactly. <laughs> Agatha Christie based her book off of the last episode of Monk where it's discovered that the judge killed Trudy. It's Spoilers true. on Monk. Spoilers on Monk. <laughs> and I thought it was going to be Dale the Whale. <laughs> you and me both, man. Oh, man. But I probably thought that because Josh did. I was an idiot. I was Seth, like, my brother tried to tell me it's not going to be Dale the Whale, but I was like, it's going to be Dale the Whale. And I was watching, and I was like, it's probably going to be Monk. But <laughs> <laughs> I didn't understand what was happening. <laughs> oh, Monk! Well, what else can we ruin for people? Like that they never it was like, well, now I never have to watch the ending of Monk. Oh, the pig dies in Charlotte's Web. <gasps> the uh, pig does not die in Charlotte's Web. The, the spider, spider dies. dies in Charlotte's Web. <laughs> <laughs> it can spoil everything I was wrong. genuinely shocked and doubting myself there for a minute. You didn't, you stopped. You stopped. No, I was talking about the spider dying. So I was talking about Babe too, Pig in the City. <laughs> babe died in Pig City? I've never seen that. <laughs> babe died in Pig City? <laughs> Charlotte, why don't you speak a little more to that? <coughs> Oh, okay. Uh, do you need um, some some oxygen or something? I'm great. Okay. okay. What do we want to talk about? That we just got back from Pig City. And it's <laughs> it just the air there isn't great, so it's a little. And Babe wasn't there. A yeah. little claustrophobic. That's why. I, that's why I assume she died at the end of that. One. Why don't oh, you okay. start talking about whatever we're going to talk about first, and I'll get a little bit of water. Okay. Um. Well, this was the first Christie I ever read. Oh, speak to that. Like what it's what it sparked. Well, um, I, I don't know if we've talked about this before or if I said I was going to save it for when we got to this one. Um, there was a really awesome older lady who was like just trying to be nice to me when I was a kid. And I mean, she was just genuinely nice, but she was like, hey, do you like mysteries? And I'm like, well, of course. And I don't know what I liked because I didn't know Christy yet. 
So, like, what did I think I liked? Sherlock. I don't know. I guess. I did really like Sherlock Holmes from a very young age. Love so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for thinking that I was young when that came out. <laughs> I was. Yeah, she she probably was like Columbo or maybe uh, Harry <laughs> not, Mason. Not far. <laughs> I was going to say, Columbo wasn't oh, funny enough. That was a great joke, audio. Yeah. To hear the water go in the cup, was it? Oh, it was, it was magical. Do, do it again, do it again, do it for mine. Wow. Oh, that's some ASMR right there. Don't Welcome to Don't Take the Tea, the asthma uh, podcast. <laughs> the asthma podcast. I <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Can I get you cough syrup? Anything? I have lozenges in my. Well, we don't have my car. I'm sorry. I'm phlegmy, and all I had for breakfast was a gallon of yogurt. <laughs> no chocolate milk for you. That's probably good anyway. So this awesome, awesome older lady, um, and I say older at the time she was a lot older than me. Let's put it that way. Can was you like older first name, last older name, than, and address? Older than you are now? Yes, actually I could. And I really, really wanted to interview her for this, but I wasn't sure how she was going to feel about it. So. I don't want her address. <laughs> I do. I don't want Zach to have her address. I still, I still wish at some point like we would cold call her like during our episode today. I just want to call mm-hmm. her and be like, hey, do you remember me? <laughs> but anyway, she's like, you like mysteries? Have you ever read Agatha Christie? And then it's literally the first time I heard those words together. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you really should read And Then There Were None. And she right. used that title. She didn't say Ten Little Indians. She said And Then There Were None. Right. Which feels like the official, yeah, like, definitely. the real that's deal the, title. And that's the, the name that all editions have now. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, I never have it. I don't even remember where I got it. But I remember reading it and I'm like, well, this changes everything. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> and that was like, oh, well, now I have to read all of Agatha Christie, which I'm still working on, but we're going to get there. <laughs> and It's a it game just, changer. It really is. And again, I thought reading it again after all this time and having a different perspective, it's like, nope, still good, still great. For, I like it for different reasons. I appreciate different things. Yeah. But it's still like, wow. Just. Definitely. Fine piece of writing. A masterpiece. <laughs> it is. I think it would make logical sense to start talking about, because you get the premise. Oh, I do want to say one thing. Sorry. Mm-hmm. This, you said something about my ratty copy. It's like falling apart. Is that the original? No, this is my dad's copy <laughs> oh, of this that's book, cool. which I oh. don't, and nothing against my dad. He just doesn't, he's not a big fan of books. I didn't know I that he you. like had a book. Dad. <laughs> but he read it? But he had it. His, his mom oh. wrote his name in it, but like oh. this was his, and he actually did read it. Oh. Was he doing math in the front cover? <laughs> no, his I doctor think math. Wrote, his mom wrote down each page where someone died. Oh, I thought. His oh, mom that's wrote funny. Down the Isn't pages that incredible? Of it's like YouTube comments where they put the timestamps <laughs> yeah. of deaths. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> that is kind of funny. Yeah, I thought that was the age of what, like the, the age time he read it. One hundred thirty-one, thirteen, fifty-one, sixty-one, eighty-nine, hundred and ten, hundred nineteen, and one hundred thirty-one. <laughs> So yeah, it is falling apart, good, and um, a lot of uh, a lot of pieces fall fell off of it while I was reading it. But but, but hey, that, I I'm sad that I I have it in like this collection of books because I love. I had a super old copy like that too that I had read a bunch of times, and mm-hmm. I just loved the feeling of it in my hands. And it had like the red pages, which always mm-hmm. feels so cool with the Christie. <laughs> it's like oh, it's mystery. It's got red bloody pages. <laughs> so let's talk first about the characters. I think that would make the most sense. Yes. Uh, besides, I think Death on the Nile, for me, 
I think And Then There Were None has the best Christie characters, best Christie cast. I would agree with that in as a group. It's the best mm. group of characters. I think there are probably some characters from other things that are standalone that I really yeah. like. Like, okay, that's one of my favorite of her characters in the whole Christie right. verse. But as far as a, a an ensemble, yes. I'm not sure any of these characters would be like one of my, like I would say, oh, Vera Claythorne is my favorite. Mm-hmm. But I think they're the best written, man, I'm sorry, best written <laughs> characters of the role. Do you have a favorite of the ten, though? Of the ten characters? I have characters, like, not like, oh, I love them, but I think that are really good. And I'll <clears> tell you who they are since you asked. So <laughs> Dr. Armstrong always stands out mm-hmm. to me. I talked about how wanting Nicolas Cage to play him because he's so neurotic and and the movie also contributed to that. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I have something to say about that later. But also, <laughs> I was struck this time around by Emily Brent. Because mm-hmm. one of the cool things about these characters is that they're all dealing with guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, you have that beginning scene where they, they accuse them each of murder. And they all are like, no, that's not true. And then through the course of the book, you get to be part of Chrissy's awesome writing in this book. Is that You get to be in everybody's head. Mm-hmm. And they're all having their past sneaking up on them and i like emily brent so much because she's this religious character she's like i did nothing wrong you're all gonna die but you see her guilt creeping up on her and she is pushing it away and saying no Mm -hmm. she believes she has nothing to feel guilty about and you watch it come like subconsciously and take her over and i Mm -hmm. think that's one of chrissy's most complex characters and she's not even in the book that much she's like one of the she's she dies pretty early on yeah um i think and this sets the tone i think for the incredibleness level of this book. On page 13, so you're not very far in, it's just still describing all of the characters in their trip to Soldier Island or Indian Island. Um, And some of them are sitting in a train. So Emily Brent is in a train. And this is what she writes, our introduction to Emily Brent, enveloped in an aura of righteousness and unyielding principles. Miss Brent sat in her crowded three third-class carriage and triumphed over its discomfort and its heat. It's like, oh man, not a wasted word. Just, you're instantly that, like, oh my gosh, you know this person already. That is with every character. She has yes. a little, little intro to each character, and it is such precise storytelling. She tells you all you need to know about this character in a little short passage, and by the mm-hmm. time they get to the island, you feel like you already know each of them, because they're all so stand out mm-hmm. that it's not like a common criticism of Christy that her characters kind of uh, are forgettable and that they're hard to tell apart from each other. Who which is, said that? How dare they? You know it's true. Some, <laughs> of, their, some of her books are a little repetitive, yes. With the characters, yes, yes, but yes. this this book uh, does not fall into that. She tells you so much about them in such a little time and yeah. you, you, you and they know are very about them by the time they get there. Yeah. Did you have a favorite character, Zach? <sighs> are you allowed to talk about it yet? The thing is, is that I, it's you really gotta wait till you know I start talking about this this version of the uh, okay of the plot to really understand the full momentum oh, no. of what I've seen. It wasn't the Family Guy episode, was it? No, of course not. <laughs> I wouldn't be caught dead watching that. <laughs> it was the American Dad. Uh, yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Another thing about this cast of characters, something that I wrote down because I didn't want to forget it. Is that it's it's a little bit different than what she usually did. She would have a sampling of people, and she usually had a, a good cross section of whatever time frame she was mm-hmm. writing in. But this one was a little bit different because before there's been like 
okay, there's the there's the couple, but you have the Rogers, but it's not the same dynamic at all. Or you had the celebrity because in uh, Orient Express, Death on the Nile, Evil Under the Sun, there was always the celebrity, and a lot of things revolved right. around them. Jealous husband, that's not there. Um, what's, what's something else? I feel like about, like the quote-unquote foreigner, the non-British character, mm. put it that way, that everybody suspects right off. And that's not there. These are right. these are people you feel like you have met or could... The ordinary. Yeah, thank you, ordinary. Such a simple word, and yet so far from my brain. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they feel very realistic. They're not, they're not flamboyant. Yes. Like, they, they're not, sta- like, Death on the Nile Orient Express, those characters are, a lot of them are very over the top, mm-hmm. and that's why they stand out. But none of these characters are over the top. They are, they are very real because you get to be in their head, mm-hmm. too. That I feel like when the book is done, I knew, especially the ones that survived longer, that you get more time with them. Like, I actually knew that person. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say I consider the house itself character oh yeah <laughs> i love the the description she writes about how the the house is so unatmospheric like there's yep. nothing about it that's creepy Which, there's nothing about and it that's, that's scary. so cool that she did that i feel like she's right. like okay i'm not going to make this any easier on myself at all i'm taking no shortcuts yeah i wrote that down um <laughs> if this had been an old house with creaking wood and dark shadows and heavily paneled walls, there might have been an eerie feeling. But this house was the essence of, I don't know, modern ITY. Modern modernity? Modern. That sounds really weird. Modern. Modernity? Modernity. Modern. Modern. <laughs> there were no dark corners, no possible sliding panels. It was flooded with electric light. Everything was new and bright and shining. There was nothing hidden in this house, nothing concealed. It had no atmosphere about it. Somehow, that was the most frightening thing of all. Zach was so scared. <laughs> Modernity. I was about to cry. <laughs> the only thing that Zach finds scarier than scary houses is Kevin Bacon with a gun. Yeah. And sure. cannibalism. Is that who you were pretending to be over Yeah, there? because that's our joke is that... Well, I didn't think Kevin Bacon face. I just figured he would know when he saw a gun. No, I just imagined Kevin Bacon there. Yeah. That was kind of a gun as present. I'm like, that's Kevin Bacon. <laughs> So, uh, the writing is what makes this book so stand out because she is uh, a narrator. She's not any of the characters, but in one scene, she will Excuse jump me. in between people's heads, mm-hmm. and she will she will have a voice of her own when she's just narrating the book as the third person omniscient narrator, and but then we'll go straight into somebody's head. There's sections where she. Everybody has a sentence in their head, but you don't know whose is whose. Yes. And you even read what the murderer is thinking, like, oh, I'm going to yes. kill them next, but you don't know who it is. Yes. That was incredible. She did that a couple times. Um, yeah. It, there's one big chunk on, on my copy. It's page 116. That it, uh, thoughts that ran around in a circle like squirrels in a cage. And then it just went boom, 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 all these thoughts. And yeah, and you, it maddens, yeah. maddens you that you cannot, that's not a word, it's so maddening. There we go. What is wrong with Madden me today? I'm just too excited that you cannot distinguish who's talking. You want yeah. to so badly. Right. And I think that's one of the problems with, again, jumping forward, that's one of the problems with why it is so difficult to get this right in visual form. Definitely. Because how do you 
show that without being um, just a bunch of exposition. It is so psychological. Uh, diary entries. <laughs> Dear diary. Well, That's diary, exposition. Diary, I will, diary of a wimpy kid is loosely based on it. <laughs> yeah, Roderick is the judge. Wimpy is... is who? <laughs> wimpy? You know, Wimpy. Last name um, kid. Classic Wimpy. K-I-D-D. Uh, yeah, there's one movie version that almost got, got that right, but we, we'll talk uh-huh. about those all together. Yeah. Um, not the one that Zach's watched, but I'm only the other one. Um, <laughs> I got it right. Yeah. Yeah, I did pretty good. Um, I want to talk about, too, about her writing. I, I This was something that I got this time, was that, you know, we have the poem, Ten Little Indians, and it goes down the numbers. But one cool thing that I never noticed that she did was the book is structured like the poem. Like a chapter will start and she did this throughout the whole thing. She would say eight people standing in a room looking around and, and she oh, sets the scene that right. way. She did. And after somebody dies, another chapter starts. Five saying, people sat at breakfast. Yeah. yeah. Four people staring at each other. Mm-hmm. And she structured the book. And then the, a lot of times the chapter would end. Three people going into their bedroom. And I, I never noticed that. Before. Never caught that either. The wow, whole book right. is structured just like the poem. Like you said, she she wanted to write this book. Her whole thing was set out. I want to write a book where um, so many people die, you can get down to the last people and you still don't know who did it. Because one of the hard things about killing that many people is that it's pretty easy to guess who the killer is when mm-hmm. there's three people left mm-hmm. or no people left, one mm-hmm. person left. And so she's like, I want to do that, but you still can't guess. And so that's why she had to rewrite it so many times. But you can tell because in th- there is no nothing that doesn't fit in this book. No dead weight. The, this book, I read it so fast. It moves so fast. Mm-hmm. And every single element is so compact and so crucial mm-hmm. to the plot that every time I'm reading it, I'm so amazed that, sh- that she could write it. Especially because she can be really wordy. She can be, yeah. she can really throw on facts, especially a mystery is supposed to throw it on, but that's not that kind of mystery. This is, again, I think we talked about this before, like using the word modern. It, it's like, it feels like a modern book, but it's not that, it feels like a timeless book. Oh yeah. Like it was very different for its time and it does not lose its edge. So, so uh, talking about maybe flaws, before it, uh, I want to ask like if you see any flaws with it, but... One of the things, because we had Aaron on here who didn't like it, mm-hmm. and we said we were going to invite him back, but we didn't. Um, <laughs> I would kind of like to know what he thought. Like, And I feel like I know. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but we can ask him one day. But <laughs> the common complaint I hear about it is that they're like, well, it was fine, but it wasn't really that much of a mystery. Which is a complaint that I hear about some of Christie's works, like Endless Night, Death Comes As The End, The Hollow. The books where they're more psychological, mm-hmm. I think it's a huge difference between mystery book and a detective book. Mm-hmm. So is it like find the clues, interview the suspects? This isn't there, a whodunit. There is no detective. It's, you know, part thriller in the fact that you're just, it's just happening. And you as the reader are like, I want to know who the murderer is, but you're not presented with clues. You're not, you are just in the experience. And mm-hmm. for me, I don't feel like there's one I prefer over the other because I love Death in the Nile. That's what we have rated the highest now. That's definitely a detective book. Mm-hmm. He interviews the suspects. He finds clues. It's fair game. But this yeah. one is an experience. It's right. It's just a mystery book. And to me, that's not a criticism, but I can see someone like, and I, again, I'm really casting aspersions here, but <laughs> Aaron really likes 
Roger Ackroyd, mm-hmm. Death on the Nile, he really loves the puzzle. He's a puzzle mm-hmm. guy. Yeah, he is. And another one is not like that. It's an experience. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, the plot is great, but sometimes it's more about the, the, the senses. It's more about the dressing than it is the actual core of it. Yeah, there was something that we read not too long ago where the, I think that was one of our complaints about it. Like in the middle of the piece, was that Death on the Nile? Where they're like, all right, let's sit down and marshal our facts. Old expression. Right. And they're like, okay, here's here's a list of people who could possibly have done it. Here's everybody's alibis, blah, blah, blah. That was easy. Versus easy and right? that, yep, that was it. Thank Which you. is another one that people say doesn't have a lot of uh, investigation because it's only that section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm like devil with everything. <laughs> and that's fine. Like you said, that is, but that's not what this is. It's two different This would be, I think, if you classified it today, it would probably be psychological thriller, not Definitely. mystery detective. Right. And I read, I read a book recently that was pretty popular, The Guest List by Lucy Foley. And it was, they, a lot of people draw comparisons because it's set on an island and it's uh, about this wedding that goes to this... Um, island and somebody gets murdered early on and instead of this way um somebody gets murdered but the book is told in the wrong order so you're trying to figure out who got murdered too because you, it, it was interesting it's wasn't that great of a book but the things it took from it, and then they wanted to made its own i really liked the idea of it mm-hmm. but a lot of people were like yeah but there wasn't really a mystery there is a mystery it's just you're not watching columbo you're not trying to figure out how are they going to catch them. You're not yeah. trying to find the clues. Yeah, it's, it's, it's it is just, a ride. It's just different, and it so is. I don't think that's a crit. It can be a criticism of a book, but I don't think it makes it another ever a bad book. I think it's just no a different thing. You're just not putting it. It would be like saying, "Wow," uh, um, and then there were none of the really bad comedy. Like just don't. It's pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it's probably it's probably the least funny of Christie's books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was something that I read about it. Um, they were like, "This book is." Not heavy, but it's it's intense. It's like there's no comic relief character. Oh, yeah. There's no light moments. It's and that when you think when you boil it down to how much time this book actually covers, it's what three days. Yeah. Which is incredible. And yeah, there's no breathing space I, at all, which I, is one of the things that I like about it. I thought about that for when I mean I'm obsessed with Christy now, but whenever I was early to mid-teens, I was really obsessed with her, just wouldn't shut up. <laughs> so, and I'm sure I really annoyed people, but I would, was talking about this with my brother I one thought day. it was great. Thank you. I was talking <laughs> about this with my brother one day who had also read it, and he was like, yeah, that book was so dark. And I like, I bet back then I didn't get it just because right. I like, thought the Same. idea was so, but he was like, mm-hmm. it's so dark and creepy. I'm like, he's like, everyone dies. I'm like, I don't get that. When <laughs> I read the book this time, there were just certain moments where they would just, really subtle things she would do, like they would, Put, they would pull the sheet over one of the victims. And mm. just the way she talked about it, I pictured the house with each bedroom mm. having four or five bodies laying mm-hmm. out. And you know what the killer's doing at that moment. You know they're being watched. And I got such a chill down my spine. Yeah. Because it is <laughs> such a dark book. Yeah. And I never thought about it either. Because this is a book that, like, I mean, it's so f- was recommended to me as a 12-year-old. And I would, you know, say, hey, you want to read Nagata Christie? That and I'm only 12. <laughs> and I still would let a kid read it because it is like, it's super it's, clean. It is. It is. Right. There, I don't think there's any swearing in it. And there's no, uh, there's nothing graphic about it at all. Right. She still had that wonderful, I don't even know what word you want to use. It, not, it's still cozy. Dig, dignity sounds weird. Um, but like, um, just, I, I don't know. British old lady. <laughs> but it's still style. So, but it's still very creepy. Yeah, but 
re- yeah, reading it as as more of an adult than I was, if if you can say that, wow. like I don't, that's yeah, that's um up for debate. But being older, I can say that than the last time I read it was like, oh wow, this is heavy, so, but it's still good. Do we want to go through like the rest of the plot since we are going to call spoilers? Ask Zach what he thinks. We good. I mean, what do you think? Should we go through the rest of the plot? Oh, that's what you wanted to know? <laughs> that was good. That good. What? Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, so, dude, man. Right. So, like, <laughs> the first two deaths, uh, the one guy drinks the, the drink. He falls over. They think maybe it was poison. They don't know if he did it himself. Second death, the lady had passed out. Um, they took her up to the room. Doctor gave her some and sleeping pills. she didn't pills. wake up. She didn't wake yeah. up. So the first two deaths, they're like, oh, maybe this is a coincidence. They were like, we should definitely leave. But, you right. know, this was just two very tragic accidents. Third guy bashed over the head. They know what's murder. Yeah. Then they start to get worried. But they they assume that there's someone else on the island. Right. And so they start into, oh, okay, let's find out who this is. We're in danger. Right. Search the island. They know nobody's there. Fourth guy dies. At this point, it's real panic. So it's... It's Marston, Mrs. Rogers, Gen- the general MacArthur. Who's who's fourth? Uh, Mr. Rogers. Yes, that's right. Okay. And, and each death coincides to the poem in some ways that the murderer really couldn't get, but it works for the book. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the third one is, uh, and then there were eight. One said he, no. It was one said he'd stay there. Oh, you! I'm sure you have the poem. Right? I do. <laughs> oh boy. Ooh, page turning. Oh, boy. Where's the poem? The poem. Where's the poem? Poem. Oh, no. Here it is. Um, Yeah, eight little indie boys traveling in Devon. One said he'd stay there, and then there were seven. I don't think the murderer could ever have known that General Arthur would have been like, we're never, ever going to leave. And he kind of loses his mind, and we're like, we're all going to die here. But it still really works thematically. I think it's really cool. (laughs) Oh, I never uh, caught that that... Was that was the connection? There. And I guess well, the murderer didn't need to know. I that. just think that that logically made sense that that was his attitude, right? Like the because some people are like, yeah, the boat's gonna come, and the general's out like sitting by the cliffside, and the, the girl who's kind of like the main character, she's like yeah. kind of like who you feel like you're gonna root for. This is gonna mm-hmm. be the Christie protagonist. The girl's like, you know, when do you think the boat's gonna come? And the general like, the he's boat's like, not oh, coming. you don't get it yet, do you? We're all gonna die, and this is early on because two people have only yeah. died by what could have been accidents. Yeah. And she's like, okay, that was weird. And then next thing you know, it's he's like, dead. Poor guy, he's losing it. Yeah. Seven little India boys chopping <laughs> up sticks. One chopped himself in half. Then there were six. The guy's out cutting wood and, and then he dies. So um, just to insert a little something here. Um, of the three of us, if we were all in a book where we were all getting knocked off one by one, who do you think would be, <laughs> I mean, it's only three of us, who do you think would be first? And then who do you think would last till the end? I definitely feel like I'd be the first to go. <laughs> well, yeah, you would die first. No offense, because me and Zach would, would form a pact where we're, we're going to, like... It'd be hard for the killer to kill us because we'd always be together. Right. <laughs> I feel like Zach would last the longest. He's scrappy. TBA. I keep saying that. Yeah. I'm pretty scrappy. And I probably would, like, be like, hey, I'm going to go get a waffle. I'll be right back. And Zach would be like, okay, and then I don't go back. And you so was, I'm like, you he would, must have found all the waffles. You would definitely be the one who wandered off. Like, it's going to be fine because you're so optimistic. Yeah, which that, is a good thing. And then gets killed. Right? But you're always like... And then I'd be the one who doesn't end up getting killed because, like, I'm just, like, sitting in my room and the, and the, the murderer like, thinks you're dead. Right, the murderer is like, I, where'd he go? <laughs> what was Bob Mittens? Oh, <laughs> I yeah. feel like in, in that scenario, um, Zach would definitely last the, a Yeah, uh, No, I died so many times in that game. <laughs> 
it was a tough world to live in with your collection of, of um, mittens. And I'm balls. really mad about that too. I, I do feel it's the truth. I would be the first one to go in any scenario. And that makes me so mad because I would want to last to the end to see. I hate missing anything. Well, I hate it. That was your fault because you wore a red shirt to the island. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Bravo. Thank you. Thank you. You the, get all the points. The cool thing about the first victim, and I noticed that this time around too, is he kind of is like the Christy bad boy for the first chunk. Who are we talking about? Uh, Anthony Marston. Oh, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, this is the Christy bad guy, bad boy. He's kind of handsome. He doesn't care about anything. And Christy, like, that's a trope of Christy now. And he's the first to die. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's kind of cool. She's already like, not not doing that. Mm-hmm. She's got three ladies. She kills one of them second. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was another thing I thought was interesting was that she made the the women, there, there were very few of them, and they were very strong. And one of them lasts till the end. Right. Because those two, yeah. like, they work really well together. and, and then Yeah, because they were so different. Right. Because the next victim is the old religious woman, Emily Brent. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bumblebee stung one, and then there were five. They they get her with a a, a needle and like put a, a dead bee next to her, which I think it was a good one. Um, and then things start to get crazy because like the um, there's what what at what point because there's still like yeah so now it's just Vera and the only woman, five other guys yeah and they're all going crazy yeah and they're all like oh we gotta protect and the they woman. express it so differently and we can't be alone. And the judge keeps being like, "We gotta have order. We gotta have order." Yeah, and they're kind of they kind of like, okay, they're like, "All right, let's focus." You know, there's still there's someone here. They still haven't like, okay, it's one of us. They finally do. Right. I think the judge is the one who says that, right? Right, and and the Doctor Armstrong, I like him. He's always offended by everything. He always takes everything like, <laughs> "Why do you think I did it?" Everything anybody ever says, he's like, "Well, you don't trust me." I'm like, "We can't trust anybody." Yeah, like five of us are already dead. Uh, the judge dies next, which like changes the whole dynamic because. He was kind of like their leader almost, he, and then they were just a little lost. He automatically became their leader. Like, everyone just looked to him, and she writes about mm-hmm. that a lot. Like, he just commanded attention. And then when he's gone, they kind of, like, they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And they really turn on each other. Yeah. And because, um... And you have these little, you have these rivalries and these alliances that develop, again, in a fairly short book. It's mm-hmm. not long, and... <laughs> fairly short it's not long i am so sorry (laughs) it is quite brief (laughs) such a moron i even had coffee excited there's no there's no excuse for how dumb i am tell her she's smart you are smart (laughs) that was the best lie you've ever told good job thank you you've been practicing i have been all his life (laughs) yep want to fight about it and also (laughs) and also that it took place over three days like Right. Everything is is boiled down into into such intensity because of the like just the battleground conditions of the mm-hmm. like okay so so many people have these strong feelings so quickly you're like there's no way that that would happen that way in three in three days but I think yeah on those people stakes would, it would exactly yeah. on those stakes thank you for using all the words that I wish I could use happy to the next character and I, I like just show how crazy this book is we haven't even talked about this character yet. Who's, who's Bloor, who is, um, he was, his reason for coming to the island is he's like a cop. Who, Ex-detective, private who, investigator. Right, so he has like this whole like suspicious nature about him. He's always mm-hmm. watching people. He thinks he has it all figured out. Yep. So when he dies, this is such a good ending. And we'll talk a little bit about how, how she changes it. It's two characters left. Mm-hmm. Um, and we haven't talked about Philip Lombard yet, who like, he's kind of the backup Christie character, except he's very reserved. 
Mm-hmm. He's a very reserved guy. They find out he has a gun, like he's not letting anybody in. And any and they've done this in all the movie versions. Any lesser author would have made a romance between the girl and the guy. And well, admittedly, she, she does that later yeah, on, and we'll talk play. about that. Yeah. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but in the book, there is no sense of romance. It's every man for himself. But they have these moments together where they're like, okay, do we trust each other? Think, we don't I, trust yes, the other people. I think that's one of those those quote-unquote alliances that form. Right. It's an yeah. alliance, but I don't think it's the like, you know, we're going to get married, I love you. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any trace of romance there. It's just these two left together, and they have this long scene where they're both oh, like, my goodness. it's just you. And they both are talking like, okay, I know it's you. I know uh-huh. you're the murderer. But, ne- but they're both saying it because they both think each other's and a murderer. And when you're reading it, your brain goes, wait, I knew it. Yes, what? No, And so really? it's like, which huh? one of them? And at that <laughs> moment, there's a body on the on the beach. So the girl's like, all right, let's drag the body up. They drag the body. While they're doing that, she grabs the gun from him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, hold on. And then she shoots him. And he's like, all along, I knew it was you. She's like, all along, I knew it was you. And you're like, who is it, though? So when she shoots him, you're like, oh, she was the murderer. Uh And then she goes up to the beach, and she's losing her mind. And we haven't even talked about everybody's backstory yet. I know. Because there's so much. But I think hers (laughs) is the best. Because we keep talking about how she was was a uh, governess, a, like, she watched this kid. Yeah. Yeah. And the kid always would go up to her and be like, can I go swim out by the rocks? And she would go, no, your mom said you can't. But because this kid was born, this girl, Vera's boyfriend, didn't get to inherit this estate. He was, Yeah, he was the uncle. Yeah, the little so boy's uncle. Because the kid was born, she didn't get any of this stuff. So one day when the kid asks her that, she's like, yeah, go ahead, swim by the rocks. And when he starts to drown, she pretends like she swims out there to help him, mm-hmm. but lets him die. Mm-hmm. And so the whole family's like, oh, we can't believe he died, but thank you for trying to save him. But the only person who doesn't believe her... The uncle. ...is the boyfriend. Yeah. Because he looks at her and he's like, I know what you did. Yeah. You didn't... And then that changes everything because she it, loses him and she's haunted by this Basically, yeah, it she ruins never, her life. She never yeah. killed him, but she let him die. Yeah. And that's every one of the characters. Most of them didn't actually murder somebody, but they... But you get you get to hear everything, all of those conversations they have with themselves and... And they go How back they and forth from like, it. yes, the justification of like, well, this happened, well, that happened, well, I was provoked, well, it could have gone differently, but it didn't. I don't like. Well, Brent, Emily Brent was like, well, I don't feel guilty, and then General right. MacArthur did, and then didn't. And it, for, it's for so human. Ten people. She found a way for each of them to be responsible for somebody's death in a legal and not direct way. Mm-hmm. So, like for Emily Brent. She, it was uh, this girl who got pregnant out of wedlock and she like rejected her and she had nowhere to stay and the girl, the girl killed herself. Mm -hmm. So she was responsible for her death. Um, for the general, he knew this guy was sleeping with his wife. He, but he was general over the guy. So he sent, sent him out to war, kind of like a a David and Bathsheba type thing. He sent the guy out and the guy died in war. So you never could be tried for that because that was the whole idea. None of these people could ever be tried for these and crimes. Bloor was a cop and he sent someone to prison. Did he cook evidence? I can't remember. He was a dirty cop. I can't remember. I, what something he did, like that. Anyway, yeah. the guy like got a really really harsh sentence and died in prison. And they were like, "Well, you everybody knew ahead of time he never would have made it. Mm-hmm. He was like he wasn't well." Right. And he's like, "I don't care." And the doctor operated on somebody when he was drunk uh-huh. and they died. So none of them would ever have gotten her trouble for it. But Vera's was the strongest. And over the course of the book, you see her kind of turn like you see how bad she really was and for that, letting that happen. Because that Christy was the most... holds on to that as well because it goes back and forth with, well, 
was she innocent? Did she really mean to? Did she swim out to start to swim out? And then like, right. You know, but all the, of it was in a split second. But decisions. at the end, she realized she she reveals how cold and calculated it was. Mm-hmm. No, I'm gonna let him drown. And it's like, of all of them, it's terrible that they let people die. But that's the nastiest. Mm-hmm. Like I let this kid die because I want my boyfriend and me to have all this money. <laughs> and at that very point, when she she opens the door and there's a noose on in her room, and the, she had already been having this whole conversation in her head, and she was definitely losing it. At that yeah, point. and the last line of the poem is. Um, one little Indian or one soldier left all alone, went off and hanged himself, and then there were none. The last sentence of the book before the epilogue is that she kicked the stool. Mm-hmm. That's the end of the book. Is the very last character alive on the island hanging herself. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It's so dark. dark <laughs> but so clean and so perfect. Every single character dead and taken care of, and to that last second, you're thinking, this can't happen. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, and that's why none of the I can't stand by the changing of the ending because as dark as it is, even if it wouldn't have worked at the time with those audiences, it is a masterpiece. I don't care if people <laughs> couldn't handle it yet. I know they couldn't have. Okay, so let's just say that uh, that Christy made this into a play version, and in the play version, everything plays out exactly the same except for Vera and uh, Philip are the last two at the end, and they survive alive, and, and she shoots him, quote unquote. Goes back into the house and, or well, no, on a play it takes place all in one room. So she shoots him and he like falls behind the couch because I've seen this. Yeah, the play and the movie live. they just change it. Yeah, okay. and um and then the judge walks into the room and he explains how it happened and he's like, well, you know, it's got to follow the policy, it's got to follow the rhyme, so you have to, and he's like actually strangling her, not like trying to get right. her to, and then Philip like wakes up he, he hadn't been shot and the two of them right. you know live happily ever after quote unquote. Right. which i don't have a problem with that because not, she she crafted it very well there was always that doubt like you just said right. there was always that doubt whether vera was actually innocent or guilty and exactly. the same thing with lombard even though in the book he said straight out he was the only one who was like oh yeah of course i am exactly guilty of what i was accused of which was like i think he was letting a group of people die letting a tribe die yeah or, yeah. yeah um and in the in the um, the play version at the very end, which I think is a uh, is a very good moment for him as a character, because it's when it's just the two of them and they're like, "Oh, it's you, no, it's you," and he's like, "Look," she's like, "You let all those people die. Of course you would kill." And he's like, "Look, this is the only time in my life that I played it straight, and I went back for them, and they I couldn't get to them in time. Mm-hmm. I'm finally the good guy, and no one believes me. Mm-hmm. So that I think worked. I yeah, I have no problem with that as an ending. It's not bad. It's good. Just in comparison. It's just, yeah, it's literally just in comparison <laughs> to how awesome I think the original is. I think that still works. And a movie, a play in 1940, it's pretty dark. And Because Chrissy said, it, she made the play during World War II, and she said, times are too dark. People don't want to go to the theater and see ten people die, and then the curtain goes down. She's like, let's have a little bit of a happy nice. A little bit of a happier ending. I get that. But just in comparison to the book, it's a straight masterpiece. Just that is what she works so hard on. Mm-hmm. And every one of them being a terrible person, that reveal at the end. And for yeah. it working. So it was, the, it was uh, an even playing field. With the trick with the judge, which is so good because that's how she worked it. She said, how could you have everybody die and still not know who the murderer was? Was because mm-hmm. the judge faked his death. 
with the help of the doctor. Right, he had which, one of his... Which works char- on just a pure character basis. And you watch the whole thing happen. Yeah. Like, you hear their conversations, but you don't realize what they're talking exactly. about. Exactly. Because the judge convinces him, like, oh, we're going to trick the real murderer... I'm gonna fake my death, and then we're gonna we're gonna catch him murdering someone else. And, and the, the doctor's first, like, yeah, 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 but the judge is yeah. the killer. And the first time I read it, I always thought it was the doctor. From the very mm. beginning, I was like, oh, it's Doctor Armstrong, of course. It's, that's a, a classic Christie car- uh, yep. killer. Yep. But no, the and the judge is such a good murderer because you would think it was him because he's the judge, and mm-hmm. the, these are crimes of ex- these are executions. Yeah. And he takes charge of the room. He guides the whole thing, and it makes sense mm-hmm. that he could commit the murders because he did guide the whole group. He made the decisions so naturally. But when he dies, obviously you're going to excuse him as a suspect. Mm -hmm. Because that's even in the after he dies, one of the characters says, well, the judge was proven innocent, but too late to, you know, Mm -hmm. to get off the island. And that's the first time she really says that. And it's because he's actually alive. He's not proven innocent. Mm -hmm. But that and I think that's the first time she does that where the the murderer is faked as a suspect. Because there are other times where the murderer like fakes an attempt on their life. Mm-hmm. And that always, in any book, that always makes me suspicious. If somebody mm-hmm. has an attempt on their life, but they don't die, I'm like, man, but that's the murderer. But when <laughs> they actually do die, you don't suspect that they are the murderer, obviously. To be continued.